You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. I'm trying desperately to make this work. I've, I've, bu- I've bought this little attachment, so I have a sitting and standing desk. I do standing for the YouTube videos, and I just I can't get like a consistent... Every time I move, it's like I can't make this mic work anymore. I don't remember how I had it. It used to be pretty sweet, and now it looks stupid, and I don't know what to do. Um, anyways, there, that works. Today is very, very simple and very, very straightforward. There's a couple little things I kind of wanted to touch on. We'll save it for later, sort of the whole Justin Fields not uh, or unfollowing his team and all that. That'll be a fun little little, little thing. I also need to get through the rest of the positions. We got, uh, what, edge and uh, linebacker, tight end, etc. And then, you know, I want to kind of go through them a second time, maybe add on to that. We can do the thing where it's kind of like, all right, you know, we'll, we'll get the top 100, find out which ones I miss, if any. I don't know if there are any, probably not. And then we can have people reach out and say, what about this guy? What about that guy? And I'll, I'll slowly start to build out uh, my own thoughts on these guys and whatnot. But anyways, again, for today, Matt LaFleur did a press conference, finally, as well as Jeff Halfley. Um, some of it was kind of, you know, you get excited about it, and then, you know, they give the answers that you kind of expect, which is just, you know, we, we want everything to be so black and white. And it never is. It's like, no, it's not really like that. It's just kind of whatever, man. It's, you know, you know, we made this big change on defense. Ah, it's not that big of a change. It's no big deal. Like, why Halfley? What about college? Like, nah, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it's just, it's whatever. So everything is kind of like, you guys make too big of a deal out of this. You guys make everything so black and white. And really, it's more, everything is more nuanced than what we want it to be. And everything is more um, simplistic at the same time in terms of it's not that massive of a deal. It's just kind of whatever. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to go through every single one of these questions. Um, I've got them all laid out here. We'll see how it goes. But we might as well start off with the beginning of this. We got sort of the general question of, uh, you know, right out of the gate, what made you go in the direction of Halfley? And hopefully you can hear the question. Coordinator and going in. So I know three, four, four, three is kind of been blurred over the years, but that's the schematic change there. Yeah, so, I mean, certainly anytime you make change of that magnitude um there's a lot of thought and deliberation that goes into that and uh you guys know how i feel about joe barry and i'm so thankful for our time together and um i got so much respect for him as a man as a coach and what he was able to do for us um those are tough decisions and but i think as as a head football coach sometimes you got to make some tough decisions and in terms of what you think you need to do moving forward to put your team in the best possible position. And um, I felt like, you know, we interviewed a lot of candidates and a lot of those guys actually went on and got coordinator jobs and just felt really good about what Jeff Halfley is going to bring to us in terms of his ability to lead, his ability to connect. Um, Certainly I've always had respect for, for him from afar as a football. So just want to pause real quick. You know, sometimes it's not even the questions. It's just listening to them talk. Nobody asked him, like, what were the main qualities? He sort of just offered that, and he talked about leadership, 
right? And we're going to hear a little bit more about this from Matt LaFleur, just sort of this idea of, you know, it's it's less about scheme and more about an attitude. And Halfley talks a little bit about that. Um, and of course, you know, some of that is just, it's, it's coach speak and it's kind of silly because of course, scheme matters to some degree. You got to, um, that's why things evolve over time. They wouldn't evolve if they didn't need to, right? Offenses learn how to beat that scheme. And so you have to do a different scheme. So scheme does matter, but you can tell that, you know, the, the big decision with Joe Barry and the decision toward Halfley, and this happens all the, I mean, we all do this kind of stuff. I mean, that's why everybody, you know, later on they ask Halfley about like press man, press man. It's like, why does everybody keep asking me about press man? It's so freaking weird. He's walking into a situation not realizing that the fans are obsessed with press man. Why? Because we had the other thing and we want now we want the other the, the new thing. It's just because it's different. It's because it's the opposite and because it's kind of cool. I, I do that sometimes with with uh, you know drafting or looking at prospects where you'll look at a thing and it it just the the qualities that you like don't necessarily translate and so you have to adapt to that. Like, okay, so I, I like, you know, these tiny, shifty uh, route runner guys that are just constantly breaking ankles and getting open. And it's just, it's not translating as much in the NFL. And so you look at the qualities of the really good players and you say, okay, those are the guys that are winning. You know, try to identify what are the key aspects. And so same with like quarterback. Because of Rodgers, because of Jordan, and because of uh, um, Fields, I feel like the, the big emphasis for me for all of them is being able to read the field anticipate and throw an accurate ball and so now that's like my thing now is that everything no but that's kind of the direction I'm going so I feel like with Matt LaFleur you're looking at it and it, you know it can be a bad thing it can be a good thing where maybe you overemphasize things because you just didn't have it but obviously the big deficiency and the big issue that we had was leadership right we had a uh, maybe a, a good scheme maybe a good play caller probably not but maybe Maybe we had those things, but we just didn't have buy-in from the guys. We didn't have a voice that anybody wanted to listen to anymore. We didn't have the, the teacher. And so all the deficiencies are now the exact qualities we're looking for. And I think that can be dangerous because you emphasize so much those qualities that the other guy didn't have that you don't want to forget to maintain the qualities that you hired Joe Barry for that still were positive. And I'm not saying we're doing that. I'm, I'm just... I'm I'm saying I think that's kind of where we're at, and that's where his head is at, and that's why he brings up those things. He's mentioning we want a guy that has these qualities. Why? Because we didn't have it, and now I want it. Because you know, then then we'll have it, and we'll be better. But I think the thing to keep in mind is, and you could apply this to anything. You can apply it to man coverage or whatever. Once you have it, you're going to have all the things that you ever wanted. But there's going to be new problems, and you're going to hate the new problems. But you know, again, I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm just saying that's just kind of how I'm seeing this thing play out and we've just got to learn about this new defense and hopefully it's awesome but everything has positives and negatives well coach uh, he's worked with my brother at two different stops he's worked with Kyle Shanahan at two different stops in Cleveland and San Francisco and I know how those guys um, how much respect they have for, for him um, as a person first and a coach second but uh, just really excited what what he's going to bring. Uh, certainly, it will be a different scheme, um, but I think it's one that I think it will be easy to adjust to with with the personnel that we have. That was something that certainly was at the forefront of my mind when we were going through this. Is uh, you better make sure the the pieces that we have in house are capable of of doing what uh, he's going to expect of them, and I think we have that in house. I think. 
anytime you have good players, uh, they should be able to adapt to most schemes. So felt comfortable with that. And like I said, it was, it was a good process. You get, get to meet a lot of different people throughout the process and um, definitely interviewed some, some really good football coaches. So it, it is interesting to hear him emphasize that it is kind of a big change, but at the same time, it's not because I think we have the pieces. And, and really, when you think about it, the only guy, and, and you know, we can get more granular and, and maybe the linebackers and the safeties and things like that, you, you kind of look at the specifics of what you're looking for. But there's nobody that's, you know, round peg, square hole, aside from maybe Preston. He's the only one you look at and go, I don't know. Now, he's built like a D end. I, I don't know why he couldn't necessarily do it. But at the same time, you know, I was even surprised when I went back and looked at the numbers because I'm like, it doesn't really matter when they play nickel, then, you know, they're they're playing as a D-end anyways. So I went and looked at the numbers, assuming that he played a ton of D-end, and he did not. And so either they did a four-man front and he was standing or he wasn't on the field. He very rarely was a hand-in-the-dirt down defensive end, and I just didn't realize that. And so it, it did kind of create a question for me. Um, Again, I'm assuming he stays. I'm assuming they just tell him to put his hand in the dirt and we just see how it goes. I mean, it's it's potentially similar to what we did with Aaron Campman when we went to a 3-4, right? Aaron Campman was a great defensive end. And then we made him an outside linebacker. He just couldn't do it. We tried, just didn't work. Now, the good news is we're not talking about a guy that's never done it. I mean, he, he almost never did it in Green Bay, but he did in Washington. So, you know, again, I think he's I think he's built for it. I think he'll be okay. 6'5", 265 is what he was listed. I don't know if that's still what he is. But, he, he I mean, we know, we know Preston. He's a big dude. He can handle the end. He might have even been better. You know, it's kind of interesting. Let me look at this real quick on uh, the old PFFs. When he came over, I remember thinking, we got ourselves, like, a pretty solid run defender. And then he got here, and it was like, eh, I don't know. Maybe that, uh, maybe there's a little bit of an uptick there. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, otherwise, you look at it and you go, Rashawn, he played D-end all through college. Lucas Van Ness, he's a D-end. I mean, a lot of people even you know, speculate that he and maybe Rashawn, too, will be better defensive ends. You know, again, Rashawn will probably have to relearn it a little bit like Preston, but not to worry. You know, d- defensive line, I don't really think much changes at all. Linebacker, there might be some changes, but it's... I think more so just going to be emphasis than anything else. It's not It's not ability. We know anything that Quay Walker was drafted because he could do everything. That was the entire point of drafting Quay Walker. Now, you know, the, the guys outside of that, I don't necessarily know, but I don't really have an issue with it. I mean, Devondre, we know, is, is a solid linebacker, and, you know, he had some issues last year, and we all love McDuffie. So I, I'm not too worried about corner. I mean, Jair, I'm convinced, can do anything. Stokes, I don't know. I don't think any of us really knows anything about Stokes, but yeah, and 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 Savage. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm kind of excited about seeing what Savage can do. You know, he's got to certainly if he's going to be that dude in Halfley's scheme, he's got to tighten up the tackling a little bit. But I don't know. I I've seen him do it. I think he can be the dude. So the point is, yeah, when you look at it, it is a big change. But there aren't a ton of guys you're looking at going. I just think he's got to go. But maybe more importantly is the next question here, which if you can't hear it, it's essentially what qualities do you want in your defense? I want us to be fast and physical and attack the ball. And um, we will be a little bit more vision-based on the back end. And um, I think that's that's great opportunity to uh, be able to go out there and generate takeaways. So here's where things get a little bit weird. Um 
So first of all, physical and attacks the ball. Now we can get excited about that or we can look at it and go, yeah, that's what every quarterback or every coach says about their defense. Like everybody says we want our defense to fly around the field and play with their hair on fire. And, but you know, I don't know, deal with that however you want. The vision-based thing is weird. And, and granted, this is sort of new terminology, at least for most of us. You know, we kind of get to know some of the lingo of the coaching staff and what they're looking for. And vision-based is something different. And I'm, I'm guessing this came from Halfley. Not, I'm, I'm not saying he invented it, but I'm just saying like this is this is a thing that he wants implemented that we haven't really talked about because Joe Barry didn't talk about it. What's weird about it is, and again, I don't want to overly simplify because I'm sure it's not that simple, but the way Halfley kind of explained it is more or less, which I love because the, the one of the biggest qualities, I mean, I've always talked about tackling. You cannot be a good defense if you're not tackling. But the other thing I've always seen about a good defense, and I think maybe the best I've ever seen was the Legion of Boom. Every single time somebody caught a football, there were seven guys there tackling them. It was unbelievable. It looked like they had 20 people on defense. There was always people. So the vision-based thing is keep your eyes on the quarterback, and as soon as the ball's in the air, you attack that area of the field. Well, what you're describing is zone. Now, he did say back end, which maybe he meant more safeties, but the safeties in too high are also doing the same thing, so it's not... uh Shouldn't be a huge change there. I suppose if you're doing cover three, which is a, a common thing here, you've got three guys kind of looking that way. But I, I think the the immediate knee-jerk reaction is, wait a minute, you want to be more vision-based, and vision-based means zone. You mean you want to be more zone? But I, I think more vision-based means how we want to play zone. Not necessarily that we want to be more zone, but when we're playing zone, we're not staring at players. We're not staring at our area of the field. We're going to our area, we're watching the quarterback, and as soon as that ball moves, we're attacking it. Because again, remember, we're not playing man most of the time. We're not. We're playing zone most of the time. Every single defense in the NFL plays zone most of the time. And so I think it's a matter of when you're playing zone, you play it differently now. And the idea being rally to the ball and take the ball away, right? You can't play the ball or the player or rally to the ball or anything else if you don't even know the ball's in the air. So I don't know if this is sort of the antithesis of cover players, not grass kind of a thing or whatever that that phraseology is, whereas this is more get to your spot, trust your assignment, and then watch the quarterback. I don't know. But that's sort of my takeaway. And the, re- the reason I, I feel the need to emphasize that is is twofold. Number one, there's a lot of consternation about, dude, we're playing more zone. That's crazy. And number two, Halfley, although he does talk a little bit about this, talks very much about how he really likes to play man. Like that's a big part of what he wants to do. And we're not going to do it all the time, but I want to do it a lot. And it's like, well, which one is it? Well, we want to do it a lot relative to what other teams are doing. Like I said, the Jets plays. That's why I said the Jets might be a little bit more close to what we're looking for because it's sort of a halfly scheme, but it's more man-based, whereas San Francisco is more zone-based. But they're still largely zone. So that's that's how I'm parsing this out in my head. We'll see if more um, information comes out about that but it's it's a style of playing zone just like there's a style of playing man and we kind of went through that too with Halfley and the way that he likes to play man you know some people it's it's kind of shoot one hand some of them back off some of them move you know so so he has a very specific way you know even like where you put your eyes and everything so even if you get a guy that plays man coverage in college you're gonna have to retrain them because you don't play man the way I play man I gotta teach you how to do it my way so anyways, that was kind of my takeaway from that thing, which is which is interesting. And it's kind of cool because everything changes, even though you look at it and you go, oh, man, we're still playing zone. Da, 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 da. But everything's different, though. Right. The fronts are different. The coverages are different. Even even the exact same play is going to be different with Halfley and with Barry. 
just play a generic cover one, cover three, cover two, whatever. Like the, 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 something that both of them would play. The players are going to be doing different things because how they play man, how they play zone, where your eyes are, all these things change. So it is kind of a ground up change, which I think is something that we all would be excited about. And that's kind of the thing I get excited about because obviously you you, you get excited because there's this massive change. And then you come down to earth and realize, yeah, not that much is actually going to change. But then you start to think about it and it's like, no, kind of a lot is. Even if you say, okay, well, you know, we're playing cover one and heck, Barry played a ton of cover one too. Right, but are you sending the slot guy? Right, are you are you mugging the offensive line and then bailing? Like, you know, I mean, there's there's different ways that you can do things. There's pre-snap versus post-snap. And there's uh, just, I mean, even the way that they train the guys. You know, maybe maybe instead of doing some of these stupid drills they've been doing for years, they start doing different things. They start emphasizing different things. They start focusing on different areas of play. There's a lot of things that can change, even if the play call is the same, that'll change the way that this defense plays. Next question, what specifically about Jeff's defenses did you like? Yeah, I think he's just he's got a way to make it very easy for our players so they can can go out there and let their natural ability take over. And, and, and that's the biggest thing. That's always been the biggest thing with him. That's the thing that I hope more than anything is true because if he can bring that here and if he has the right coaching staff that can help him bring that here, that is the most important thing. If he genuinely, and, and the, the reporters keep asking, like, what does that mean? What does that look like? How do you do that? Don't know that we got a ton of clarity on it, but the only way I can think to describe it is he puts a lot of the weight on himself. He needs to be the one to really break this thing down and do a lot of the work so that he can present it in a way that is easily digestible to the players, so that it's very easy to understand. Not necessarily the scheme is easy, but the understanding of it is easy. In other words, he's a very good teacher and and is able to teach things in a way that they're able to comprehend. Um, Because if he can do that, again, I really genuinely, and you might disagree, I think we have a lot of talent. I still like Savage. I think Jair is a phenomenal player. Maybe not number one. I don't care. He's a top 10, top 15 corner every single year without trying. Um, Rashawn Gary, I know he dipped. Hopefully that doesn't continue. He is a premier player. I think Kenny's got some juice left. I don't know why he he always is elite and then falls off at some point in the year, but I think the juice is there. I love Wyatt. You know, I'm big on Wyatt. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm one of the bigger cheerleaders for this defense than anybody. Uh, at least the players. I, I just I'm a big fan of a lot of these guys. Maybe not Quay as much as everybody else, but I know the talent is unbelievable. If we can just unleash it, and I'm excited to uh, maybe have a defensive coordinator that wants him to attack a little more, as opposed to kind of just sitting back. I think that could play to his strengths. I'd love to see him blitz more. I'd love to see him get into the backfield and bring down the running back, as opposed to just freaking stand there. But that's that is the biggest thing. If these guys can can really get to the point where this game feels easy. Um, and Savage is the big one I got a big circle on because I know the talent is in there. I know that he can be that safety. He can be that single high guy. He's the guy that has the elite speed to go sideline to sideline. I know he has it in him to be a missile to take people out. We've seen it. Yes, we've also seen terrible missed tackles and terrible this and that. I get it, but I know it's in there. Just like Jair and a lot of these guys, they're very physical. They're very violent. They have at least that that psychotic mentality to be able to do it. Execution is a different thing. But he's got it. And if we could just get him to see the field and execute properly, maybe get another really solid safety next to him, I'm excited about it. But that is that is the thing about Halfley, his ability to get people to understand things at a really, really deep level. Um, we're kind of working through some of the schematics right now. Uh, been a part of some of those meetings. And, you know, I, I definitely like the vibe. I think we've 
it's it's never about one person. You better have the collective, the the people that are we we've surrounded him with. Phenomenal point, by the way, which I think all of us have been trying to make for a long time. If you bring in Halfley and don't bring in a new staff, you failed. Now, that's not to say everybody has to be replaced. I obviously didn't get my entire wish list that I was hoping for. But as long as Halfley gets his guys, I'm happy with it. Right? I'm not the one that that has to implement this. But that's that was the entire point. I mean, it makes no sense to bring in Halfley and not allow him to bring in a personnel that, that can you know, help him to execute what needs to be executed. Um, there's a lot of good football coaches and guys that are coming from different schemes and different systems. But I do believe that if you have the right kind of people, the right teachers, um, you know, they're going to get the most out of our players, whether they've, you know, coaching the scheme or not. Anyways, these always take longer than I expect. We might just do Matt LaFleur today. I don't know. Uh, we got, what, two? 13, we got, I don't know, a bunch of questions. We're going to skip a couple, but why don't we take our first break? If you want to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy, or hit me up on Venmo Packernet Podcast. Also, do me a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, doing the uh, Packernet After Dark. I'm going to try to do it on there as much as I possibly can. I did it last night. It's nice to have the visual aids, too. I was able to pop some stuff up. We talked about David Bakhtiari, and I threw up the visual of, of Bakhtiari, who did PFF and all that stuff, so it just kind of helps. It's a little bit of a delay, uh, but I think, it's, I think it's fun. But we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right. So I'm going to skip the next couple questions. What do you think Jeff gained from his experience as a head coach? 
Um, and does having a defensive coordinator with head coaching background allow him to be more autonomous? Eh. But uh, the next question after that is getting back to simplifying and uh, kind of elaborating on that whole thing. So here's Matt LaFleur kind of, I guess, elaborating on that concept. The question was a little odd, I guess, sort of how easy is it? But then he kind of trailed off into other stuff. I think it's very easy to make it hard on our players, uh, quite frankly, because as coaches, we want to we want to be able to get up there and talk. And sometimes we can over talk things, but ultimately it comes back down to the player. We're not out on the field playing. So how can we try to put them in the best position possible and, and make it easy for them to go out there and execute the vision that we have for them? And then the next question kind of piggybacks on that. Make it easy. How do you, how do, you do that? Like, what does what that mean? Specifically, what, are, what are things they can do? Well, just... Um, that's a great question, Pete, in terms of it's you've heard the term paralysis by analysis. Sometimes you give guys too much information and they're, they're looking at too many things. And it's how do you get it into a singular focus so that they can go out there and, and play at a high level and play fast and play without hesitation? Um, so how can you give them? Because I do believe there's a fine line because you, you want to give them as much information as they can handle. But I think part of that is knowing your personnel. Some guys can handle more than others. And so you've got to get to know your players and, and try to figure out how much they can do and how much they can handle. And I think that was... And again, he's not explicitly saying it, but I, I think it's inherent in what's going on that this is an area that was lacking in the prior administration. Right, and that you know falls on Lafleur as well. But there just wasn't a good enough culture, and there wasn't good enough production from the coaching staff in doing this, in teaching properly, but also in identifying. Rather than saying we need to make it as a whole more complex or as a whole less complex, you tailor it to your players. Right, you got some guys that are really really smart and can handle a lot, and so you you maybe put a little bit more on their shoulders because they can handle it. And for the guys that can't. You know, they're great football players, you know, but they're maybe a little bit slow. Simplify it so that they can just go out and play. They're really good. Just let them go play. Hey, you, get quarterback. Okay, cool. <laughs> when you look at our team, um, especially this year, I think that was part of our issue early on, uh, early in the season when we were struggling. Um, more, more, I would say, from an offensive standpoint is – we were still learning a lot of our guys and, and what they could handle and what was too much. And um, we found that sweet spot and that allowed us to go out there and, and execute at a higher level. Again, I apologize for the audio cutting out. Um, I'm not I'm not sure what's doing that. I thought I knew and uh, I shut down the program and everything seemed fine. And now it's doing it again. So I don't know. Just a little stutters in there. Um, next question. We're getting back to the vision based thing again, kind of elaborating on this. He kind of talks about a little bit what I said, but I'll allow him to speak for himself on the vision-based defense. What are you looking for for vision-based, like out of your safeties? And is the fact that Jeff spent so much time as a secondary coach, was that appealing to you to run your defense? Yeah, I would say definitely. Um, I think, especially in this league, it's such a pass-dominant league. Um, that was. By the way, I'm very glad that he said that. I think it's very easy to give the coach speak answer and just say, you know, well, it doesn't really matter. We need a guy that can do everything, and I think he can do everything. But to just be honest about it, you know, because I, I was really excited that he's a, a secondary coach. 
no offense to, uh, you know, Joe Barry, and he did wonders, I think, for our linebackers and all. They're freaking linebackers, bro. I don't, I don't care. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you can get a pass rush guy or a, or a cornerback's a secondary guy, and if you notice this past hiring cycle, almost every single defensive coordinator candidate was a secondary guy. I don't know if that was by virtue of the league wanting to go that way, or if it was more just, it just happened to be that way. I don't know, but it is exciting. You know, it, it's kind of like, if you think about it, like a video game, which maybe is a stupid way, but just for example, it's kind of like when you, when you bring out a defensive coordinator, they are there to, you know, coach your entire team, but they get these little bonuses. And so when you bring him in, you get like a bonus to your secondary. And all I can think about is like Jair and Stokes and Savage. And it's like, yes, yes, give them all the bonuses. So I'm just glad that that was his answer as opposed to just kind of doing the generic like, well, you know, we need a guy that can do everything and we think he can do everything. Like, no, yeah, it's freaking awesome because you need a good secondary and he's really good with the secondary. So freaking obviously. It's definitely one of the most appealing things to me was his ability to lead from the back end. Yikes. Um, but I, th- I think he's got a great knowledge base at, on all three levels. What was the other thing, yes? You're talking about you want players that are fast, physical, and vision-based on the back end. Well, yeah, I would say more vision-based, more visual on the quarterback because he's going to ultimately take you to where the ball is going to go. So, and it's hard to do that when if you're playing with your back to the quarterback, or if you're playing a real matchy. Not to not to say that you we won't be that. Um, there's certainly going to be circumstances when you want to man up and play some match coverage. But um, you know, I would say a, a big part of what we're going to do, especially from a coverage standpoint, is going to be have vision on the quarterback. So that was where it became like very like holy crap, we're doing like a lot more zone, you know, because he was explicitly saying like, you know, hey, hey, well, I mean, once in a while we'll play man. So that was where, for me, it was like, wait, what? But again, I will see. They said they're still going through the schematic stuff. Um, and again, whether or not it's more man or zone or whatever, the, the point is it's, gonna, it's going to look different. It's going to be applied differently. When you see man, it's going to look differently than when Joe Barry ran man. And yes, we did once in a while. And when they play zone, they're going to play zone differently. The exact proportion, I don't know, but I know we're going to be playing more more zone than man. And whether it's 15% man or 35% man, I don't know. Or 45%. I don't know what the high end is, but I don't know. And, and ultimately, it doesn't freaking matter. Just get the ball, get the quarterback, and uh, you know, make them earn it, which Halfley does talk about, which is pretty cool. Next question is about the strength and conditioning staff. Uh, not a ton here, but it's good to be able to hear him at least address the issue. I think one of the first weeks of the season, you had three receivers on the injury report with hamstrings, and you said we'll take a deep dive into all that after the season. What did that deeper look uh, result in, and why did you think a change was needed for that strength and conditioning staff? Again, you got to make... By the way, can we just not (laughs) ask leading questions like that? I mean, he's basically answering the question and then saying, so can you just say what I just said back to me? Like, it's because of the hamstrings. Like just, I mean, just, if you want to ask, just ask. Is that why? Is it? It was it the hamstrings? But the the leading questions like that annoy me. It's it's not going to work anyways. Like it's not like he's going to fall into your clever trap. Make some tough decisions, um, and I, I mean, I think Giz is an outstanding strength coach, and I I don't I don't want that to be like, oh, it's all the strength department's problem. That that was not what it what it was, and quite frankly, that's. Not what I believe, and I don't think that's what we found out either. So, so that that's actually pretty important. 
Um, now, again, I've already said, I think the strength and conditioning, basically Gutekunst already told us there was a, there was a rift there. Um, we heard people complaining about injuries and issues with like coming back too early or not coming back or whatever. I think the players were kind of upset with some of the determinations and some of the way that things are being handled. And so what Gutekunst said is we needed a new voice. And sometimes it's not even about doing things wrong. It's just about, you know, the guys don't want to be there with them anymore or whatever. He didn't say that, but that was kind of implied. But it's important because I think a lot of people look at it and say, you know, hamstrings, that's because of the strength conditioning coach. He's explicitly saying, no, that's, we, we did not come to the conclusion that the strength and conditioning coaching staff was responsible for the hamstrings. Um, so, I mean, again, he's, he's going to kind of play it nice, but I don't think he's going to flat out lie. And if they determine that there was negligence by the strength and conditioning staff, I don't think you just come out and say, no, that's not what we found. So this is this is not about that. And that's it's important too, because we can't come into this assuming now that we hired somebody else, we're not going to have hamstring injuries. There's always going to be hamstring injuries. They might be high, maybe because of the players we have or you know their their particular physiology. Um, but this is certainly not a silver bullet fix, if that even is a thing. I have no idea. It was just one of those deals where I felt like uh, some new leadership in that position could be beneficial to us. Again, same, basically same thing Gutekunst said. New leadership in that position. We we need a, a different voice. Players didn't like him. You know, there was a lot of a lot of stuff going on, and it probably had a lot to do with Jair's flare up and Devondre's flare up for sure. Um, so that 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 was the determination. And. And found a guy, Aaron Hill, um, coming from San Francisco, ironically enough, um, that I think they're doing some pretty cool things out there. Um, I've got a pretty, obviously you guys know, I've got a close relationship with Kyle, but also with, with the head strength coach there, Dustin Perry, um, who may or may not be my wife's first cousin. But um, so I had a lot of conversations with him, you know, when we decided to make the change uh, just kind of asking for advice in terms of looking for people. Uh, again, interviewed a bunch of guys. Uh, there's some really good strength coaches out there, and um, but ultimately, you know, he, he. I thought Aaron did an outstanding job in the interview process, and it wasn't something that just I was involved in. That, and that you know, I had all our our special teams coaches were a part of that process. Um, certainly, Flea and Nate were a part of it. Uh, we had a couple of other guys in there as well. Uh, I just think it was important that we were all on, this, on board with this just in, in order to get the collaboration, the cooperation, because a lot of people touch our athletes. And at the end of the day, when you're talking about a performance staff, you, you need everybody in alignment. And so the communication's got to be on point. And um, we just came to a consensus on, on picking Aaron for that spot. Next question is important from a uh, clarification standpoint, talking about the responsibilities, more or less, of the strength and conditioning coaching staff. You're dealing with these professional athletes, but do you expect that position to be a motivator, a guy who's you know, really got relationships with these players? Well, I think, yeah, absolutely. That's, that, is, that is an expectation I have. Um, I think if you want your players to bring great energy every day. If you don't do it as a coach, then there's, there's a problem there. 
I can't demand that out of our guys and not expect that out of myself or our coaches and no matter what you're coaching. So, um, yeah, the energy is an important piece to that. But you said it um, in terms of I do think the relationships are where anything starts in this business, whether it's myself to our staff um, and our staff to our players and players to players. And the more we can get to know one another and that I think the the trust builds. And when you get trust, you get guys fighting for one another. And there's a genuine care and love for one another. That's that's when you're going to get people at their best. And, and that's that's kind of an important point because, you know, there, there's a part of me that says, you know, do you fire a guy just because the players are having a problem with it? like that? That seems like a crappy thing. But number one, it speaks to the importance of having buy-in and 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 laying that at the feet of the coach. It is your responsibility to get these guys on your side and, and to help us as a team build a certain culture. And that is we all work together toward a common goal. And if you're kind of on the outside, you know, even if maybe you're not doing your job terribly, but you know, if, if you can't get guys to buy in, then, then, then I, you're not able to meet the requirements of your job. And again, I kind of just think it speaks to what what's been going on with the defense, and that is, it's not just it's not just scheme, even though that may be part of it. It's not just play calling, even though that may be part of it. There really was a cultural deficiency, and and we need to bring in yes, maybe a more modern San Francisco 49ers or Jets scheme, but also we just need a better culture here, and uh, we need guys that are going to bring that in. So we're going to bring in new people, and even if it's just the fact that they're new that helps, that's that's fine because the importance of having guys playing for each other. And having that kind of energy is critical, and especially with such a young team. I mean, it's interesting, even when you look at the defense, how young it is. You think, well, we have a young offense, not necessarily defense. No, we have like the third youngest defense, too. It's a crazy young defense. And so it's a lot of young guys, and we, we have an opportunity to, to install a culture here, and we need to do that. Uh, why don't we take our final break? We'll come back here a little bit about Sean Mannion. That's actually a really cool story. That is the quarterback that is going to be coming in, I think he says, as the offensive assistant. But uh, you'll appreciate some of the tidbits and details on that. We'll take a final break. We'll be right back. Uh, Sean Mannion's title, and what do you think he can bring uh, to that room, to the offense, as, as a guy who is a recent player? He's going to be an offensive assistant for us, um, and he'll be working primarily out of the quarterback room. Um, so I, I just I love his past experience. I've coached him before in L.A. Um, I always figured he was going to go down this route. Matter of fact, when we played him earlier in the year, um, he told me he was going to get into coaching. So I was like, all right, well, let me know when you're going to become a coach. He's just a guy that I've always um, respected how he went about his process, uh, how he prepared for games, how he helped, you know, Jared in that situation, being a backup for us. Um then when we interviewed him, matter of fact, he was getting ready to go interview for Chicago, and um, I think it was it was actually during the NFC Championship game, which I really didn't care to watch. Same. Um, I jumped on a Zoom call with him in the second half, and he showed me his what he was going to present, and I told him, "Well, that's pretty good. I think you should come up to Green Bay right when you're done with that interview." And um, I'm I'm surprised that they let him out of the building, but. Uh, they tried to get him, but I, I guess we had more to offer. But 
Uh, we're lucky to have him. I, I really do think this guy's going to have a bright future for us, um, and, and certainly in, in the coaching profession. So I love everything about that. There's a million and one reasons why that's fantastic. First of all, it really speaks highly of Mannion, which, I mean, if, if you wanted any kind of an endorsement, it's how upset Vikings fans were that Sean Mannion left. They were really upset that they missed out on that opportunity to get him. Um, they were very well aware of what they had in him. Matt LaFleur, same thing, right? He heard that he was going on the uh, on the circuit trying to look for a job, and he jumps on a Zoom call with him and is like, bro, you need to please, please come to Green Bay. So that 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 speaks really highly. It's going to be great to have him. Uh, you know, he sounds like he's a really good coach, really detailed and all that, which is going to be, you know, kind of like what we're doing right now. It's it's all about coaching and getting people where they need to be. It's great to have him helping with Jordan. That's going to be amazing. And again, potentially taking over as quarterback coach at some point, and maybe more so. Maybe he could be the offensive coordinator. Who knows where this thing could head? But it sounds like there's a lot of optimism about uh, what Sean Mannion has to offer. But then, of course, the, the best thing about that is not only did we steal him from the Vikings, we stole him from the Bears to find out that Chicago wanted him there, uh, interviewed him, and he was. they were planning on having him be essentially the guy that was going to help coach up the next quarterback for the Chicago Bears to make this a reality finally. And not only did we steal him, but Matt LaFleur's comment is, I guess we have more to offer, which I love. And you're going to hear a ton of that, I guess, tomorrow from Halfley. But the idea that nobody wants to come to Green Bay now that Rodgers is gone is insane. I mean, it's just, this is a very appealing place to be for a lot of reasons. And, uh, but Matt LaFleur is one of them. And, and, you know, we kind of get upset about, oh, you just hire all your friends, which partly is silly because everybody's friends with everybody. Everybody knows everybody. It's not a bad thing to have relationships, though. I think we have Mannion and I think we have Halfley and, and a bunch of the staff because of Matt LaFleur, because of the person he is because of how good at his job he is and the respect that he has uh, built around the league, despite uh, people like Michael Lombardi who want to spout off nonsense like a freaking has-been idiot. Uh, the people that are still in the league and are still relevant are very, uh, very much respect Matt LaFleur. But, we, man, we got a good thing here. We got a coach that everybody envies. We got a GM that everybody envies. We got a quarterback everybody envies. We have a team that is young and talented. I mean, we are the envy of the league right now. All the uh, Lafleur and Gutekunst haters and love haters are just in absolute shambles right now. <laughs> just in absolute shambles. We literally, again, we'll talk about it tomorrow. We literally got our defensive coordinator in large part because of Brian Gutekunst. I mean, he at one point essentially says like that was one of the biggest factors is how good of a GM Brian Gutekunst is and bringing in talent. <laughs> Oh, this is the best day ever. Um, I'll skip the next question. Essentially, it was, you know, did you want to switch to 4-3? Is that why you did this? And he said, no. Um, it had really nothing to do with that. Probably would not have done it if I thought that it would have been, we had to scrap everything. But again, we feel comfortable with the guys we have, that they can adapt, so we'll be okay. But that was not the reason. Um, but I, I kind of like this because it goes back again to the core of why we wanted Halfley more so than anything else. So the, the question essentially is, you know, what is it about this 49ers defense that's so scary to you um, that, you know, you felt like you needed to get your own 49ers guy? And, um, you know, Matt's kind of like, well, you know, screw you, first of all, I can beat any defense, but et cetera, et cetera. So here's that. Very much influenced. As an offensive guy, I feel like we can poke holes in every scheme. 
And I really do believe that. Uh, there's going to be a weakness to every scheme. But so, so to me, when, when I look at and think about great defenses in this league, it, it's a style of play. It's how do these guys attack the football? How do they approach the ball carrier? Um, and how relentless are they playing each and every play? The effort that they give. And um, that is definitely a staple of that defense. You know, whether it's San Francisco, whether it's the Jets, watched a lot of Houston over the last few days, and I mean, they are relentless. Um, it's just it, it comes down to style of play. So, and again, I think that's that's a big part of it. And again, it's he's trying to throw the scheme thing out the window, but I don't think you can. I, I now, granted, I think he would have been more than happy with you know whether it was some guys from Baltimore or we saw him interview different people from different schemes. So it wasn't like a guarantee; it has to be 49ers or Jets or whatever. But I do think that there's a, you know, th- th- there are, there are some schemes that that are fine. But I, I do think he's being honest when he says, you know, it comes down more so to attitude. I think that that is that is correct, and um, I think that's been a problem with Joe Barry. And I've I've, I've said that, and I shouldn't say Joe Barry specifically, but with this defense that we've had under Joe Barry, and again, although every single coordinator is going to say we want these guys to be fast and to be physical and all that stuff. The style of defense that we played just didn't it, it didn't mesh with that. You you can say all you want, like I want you to be fast and aggressive, but at the same time, I'm teaching you to just freaking wait, right? Like don't don't over pursue. You know you don't want to get caught. You, you know if if you're too aggressive, then they're going to beat you. You know behind over your head or whatever. So you can't tell people to hurry up and slow down, right? I know that is a thing, but it's just it really isn't compatible. I mean, there really is a. Um, an additional benefit to being aggressive aside from just the the actual scheme itself and that is mentality it's hard to have a passive defense and to tell people to aggressively pay, play passively and i know that might be somewhat of an unfair characteristic but it it's it's true and so i think he wanted a defense that tends to play more aggressively and you know it starts with the scheme to some degree but also the 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 coach and the way that they want to coach you and the way that they want you to play and the way that they want you to play the ball and everything about it has to come down to aggression. And again, we we can have a more bend don't break defense and then tell people to be really aggressive, but it's just that's just fake. It's 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 not going to translate. And then anyways, I'm going to skip this next question. How do you evaluate college coaches for the NFL? He more or less says that's eh, more similar than you would think. Plus he's been in the NFL, it's fine. But the final question I really like because it's about the entire defensive coaching staff. We got a new staff, a lot of guys to get excited about. I'm excited to hear from them, and Matt LaFleur got me even more excited, basically saying, like, you're going to love hearing from these guys. But here's what he had to say about our new defensive coaching staff. Yeah, that was that was an uh, interesting process to kind of go through. Again, interviewed a lot of guys. Certainly, um, Halfley was a big part of the, the process in, in terms Good. of – getting the right staff around him, uh, guys that he not necessarily knew, but guys that he, he respected, um, that he trusts are going to be able to help carry out the vision for the defense. Uh, I just want to interject for a second because I think that is important. And, and I know, we again, we talk a lot about you know not wanting to hire your friends and all that. And there's some truth to that. And obviously, you know, you can see how that could be a negative, but you can also, I think, respect how much trust should be a factor. And um, the reality is that's just a box you can't check or not very easily if you don't know a guy. 
right? Now you can maybe call around, you can try to see these things, but it's hard to check the box of, can I trust you? Do I know, you know, your work ethic and ins and outs and how I'm going to collaborate with you and all that stuff. It's hard to do that if you don't know a guy. Um, and I'm, I'm excited for you guys get to, to get to know these guys. I think you'll see, uh, a lot of high energy coaches and I think that'll help our players bring out that energy that we need to go out there and compete at the best of our ability on Sunday. The end. So I'm, I'm very excited to meet these guys. I kind of forgot about it for half a second. I was so excited to hear about Halfley and all that. And I was hoping we could talk about it today, but obviously we'll, we'll save that for tomorrow. Long off season. It's fine. Um, but that was, that was a good interview with Matt. It's a great interview with Halfley tomorrow. Um, but anyways, I'm going to get out of here. I got to uh, get these things uploaded. I'm doing a thing with Matt Ramage tonight. So I'll talk to you all tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.